The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Jim McGreevy was the 51st governor of New Jersey. He won his election in 2001 by 300,000 votes, and now he runs the New Jersey Reentry Corporation. Governor, how are you? To be with you. I, I, I just was thinking that in the story leading up to the introduction, talking about hacks running New Jersey state government and their ineptitude, no matter what they're paid, so that... I just wanted to thank you for that very indulgent running up. So, <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, and, and Governor, I, I, you, you've generously agreed to stay on with me for two segments. So we'll we'll talk about politics in the second segment. But sure. I I want to ask you about your work on former prisoners reentering their their communities, and and you you you've devoted most of the last decade to this uh, uh, to breaking down barriers for ex-offenders returning from prison to obtain employment. Tell me about your work at the New Jersey Reentry Corporation. No, thanks, David. It, it's just that, you know, when we recognize that this country has this sad love affair with imprisonment, and, and you know, you reflect on Michelle Alexander, the new Jim Crow, that that the, the nation is 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's incarcerated population, is that, you know, that Americans aren't inherently more malevolent, uh, but that we incarcerate a higher percentage of our fellow citizens than any nation. And so that what we've been able to do over the years with the bipartisan support is move people as they're coming out of state prison and county jail and addiction treatment centers to making sure that they have first uh, the behavioral health care needs that they require, whether that's particularly on addiction, uh, whether that's suboxone and, and medication-assisted treatment, uh, mental health, uh, medical, whether it's hepatitis, diabetes, HIV, uh, support for housing, legal support. So many of our guys and gals are meshed in the legal system in terms of outstanding warrants and fines that could precipitate a rearrest and re-imprisonment. Um, and then also, obviously, the importance of workforce training and employment. So the old, the old method, David, was that you would, somebody would come out to prison and then you would get them a, a job, get them employment, and God willing, they'd survive for, you know, six months, let alone six years. But the reality was, is whether it was addiction or whether it was housing or uh, not having a driver's license. And, and people need to understand that something as mundane as a driver's license, having that identification uh, is, is a barrier to whether it's uh, food stamp, SNAP or GA or even Medicaid. So what we try to do is to remove those barriers and to stabilize the person, uh, both medically in terms of behaviorally, in terms of housing, and then gradually move persons into employment when they're stabilized. And, and, and we have now 11,000 clients, 11,000 program participants in nine different sites throughout central and northern New Jersey. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say that we've got a relatively good track record. So your program, Governor, is it's been described as a national model. It, it, is New Jersey now meeting its challenges of, of rehabilitation, job training, addiction treatment? Is 
is you had described reentry in the past as broken. Is it is it still broken? I mean, I think I think both from earlier administrations through the Murphy administration. I mean, we've made great strides. We're making great investment. I mean, we just opened up a twenty five thousand square foot training facility. Whether it's um, HVAC, whether it's uh, Cisco certification for networking training. Uh, solar installation. So we're, we're doing the right thing in terms of job creation. What we need to do more of, David, is behind the wall. And that's incumbent upon all of us. And so do I think we're doing the right thing? Yes. Uh, during the public health emergency, the uh, state Senate president, the assembly speaker and the governor, 3,000 persons were came out uh, people work together to make sure they had housing, make sure they have health care, make sure that they had what they required in terms of food stamps and then transition to employment. People expected that there would be uh, a much more negative reaction than there was. I think there were boots on the ground. But can we do more behind the wall? Yes. And so the, the, the challenge is when Jim McGreevy is in Northern State Prison, I should be getting my food stamps. I should be getting my SNAP application approved, my Medicaid, my GA, so that when I come out, I'm better prepared so that I can be stabilized and so that we can, instead of grappling with getting my ID, I would have had my ID already in hand. And I'm speaking with Jim McGreevy, the former governor of New Jersey. Governor, every day I hear about how hard it's been for employers to find workers during the pandemic i mean some some complain there's a a financial incentive for for people to not return to the workforce should should employers uh in search of a bigger workforce look more actively toward ex-offenders thanks david because our you know our our participants don't aren't in that position in the sense that many of them are, are coming out of state prison, they're coming out of county jail, so they haven't um, been the quote-unquote beneficiaries of the largesse of the federal government. So yes, they are hungry. I mean, we've just had repeated job fairs where, you know, literally hundreds of people are are looking for jobs. But it means taking a risk. It means taking a, a chance on somebody with a criminal jacket, with a criminal history. I mean, a lot of our guys and gals are people that have had a a history of uh, drug abuse. Uh, 75% of them have had some interaction with alcoholism and addiction. Many people are coming out of prison. Many people, uh, their criminal acts were precipitated or in part caused by their addictive behaviors. So I I think it's, it's, it's convincing, and, and we've got great relationships. I mean, UPS, Federal Express, uh, ShopRite, Aero Farms. We have 74 companies that have made that leap that are hiring people. And obviously, they ask us, David, to, to, be, to, do, to be the barometer, uh, to be the gatekeeper, to make sure that somebody has made that commitment as somebody – you know, doing the next right thing and has a history of doing the right thing. So if, if somebody made a series of bad decisions when they were 18, 20, 22 years of age, and now they're 43 and they, 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 they're, they're passionate about changing their lives, they're passionate about not going back 
and going in a different direction. Those are the guys and gals that we recommend. I mean, we just had 62 people hired by UPS and as, as drivers, and they're responsible for packages. They're responsible for, you know, the ethical delivery. And, and ShopRite, um, our guys are, you know, stocking shelves. So these are people that, you know, we vet. We, you know, we, I would make an argument, David, we vet our guys and gals more carefully than somebody walking off the street. Um, you know, we're aware of their criminogenic history. We're aware of their, their medical and their behavioral history. We're aware of their work history. And so what we're sending to uh, ShopRite or we're sending to um, a store is somebody who's looking for second chance. And, and if I can... You know, the challenge has been on some of the big box national retailers. I mean, we do so well with New Jersey-based businesses, with a few national-based businesses. Um, the challenge becomes on the big box retailers uh, whose HR offices might be in Chicago or Iowa, that they have a, a clear policy on on court-involved persons. That's where the challenge. That's where the the challenge for us becomes because we can't get past that HR policy. But if you give us a chance, we'll send you one client. We'll send you two and three, and develop a trusting relationship that we can build upon. And I'll I'll direct everybody to to your website, New Jersey reentry.org and, and hope that people sure. go through and we just ask you. And and by the way, if I can just give a shout out to Michelle Sakurka and New Jersey Business and Industry Association. I mean, it, it's been a different day. Like, Michelle has me participating on task force. I remember the days when uh, NJBIA used to think I was a Bolshevik. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess there's room for all of us to grow. But, I mean, like, we've got a great partnership. Um, sure. Let's say, for example, on Sansone Auto. Right now we work with um, ECHA and NJRC, we will have every veteran, uh, formerly court-involved veteran, employed through Sansone Auto and NJ Cars, That's great. the car dealerships. That's great. So, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening industry by industry. And, Governor, we only have – I mean, I, I, we, we, I, this time goes by so fast, as it often does when you, when you and I speak. But uh, we're going to go to a break in a second. But I want to ask you one quick question. I, I have a friend from Middletown, a remarkable woman named Nikki Tierney. And and she oh. is advocating for legislation for expungements for women who have uh, who have graduated from drug court and are seeking reentry. Should is that is that uh, something that that the legislature should approve and the governor should sign? I, I and I want to just give a shout out to Nikki for her advocacy and for doing the next right thing and for all that she does. And and it's just, you know, we believe and we say it all the time. We believe in a God of second chances. And so that expungements are so critically important. Um, and New Jersey has made a step in the right direction in expungements. But obviously, if you want to have that, that second chance, that clean slate, expungements are an opportunity. So, yes, I mean, uh, what Nikki's advocating is, is so critically important. And I could go on depth on her story and on on the the challenge the unique challenges that women have faced and do face in in criminal justice 
Well, Governor McGreevy and I will be right back to talk about New Jersey politics, so please stay where you are. You're not going to want to miss this. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. I always value books and films and good TV, but now during a pandemic, I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, Actors describing classic scenes. It's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. The pandemic of 2020 felt like a dark tunnel. And while 2020 is over, the impact is not. I'm New Jersey's former governor, Richard Cody. The pandemic affected our physical and mental health. My wife, Mary Jo, and I started the Cody Fund for Mental Health to Change Lives. Mental health issues can impact any family, including ours. That's why we want everyone to know about NJ211. NJ211 is an information and referral service connecting anyone in crisis to the help they need. It's for everyone, veterans, seniors, even children. I'm living proof there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not a train, it's help. It's NJ211. Remember, it's okay not to feel okay. If you need help, go to nj211.org or dial 211. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and I'm with Jim McGreevy, the 51st governor of New Jersey. And, Governor, Democrats and Republicans believe that among your accomplishments in office was to make the, the Department of Motor Vehicles run more efficiently. So, so I have to ask you, on behalf of, of New Jerseyans everywhere, would you, would you please go back and fix it again? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just I, I want to give credit to where credit is due, and that's to um – the great, God rest his soul, Jamie Foxx and Diane Legridi. Um, ja- Jamie was incredible. And for those of us who knew and loved him, uh, Jamie was a, a force to be reckoned with. And he wanted to make New Jersey government better. And he was driven by practical considerations. But a, a, a very unique talent. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. I shouldn't tell the story, David, but I remember one day I, I was sitting in the governor's office and, and Jamie was, you know, chief of staff, and he goes, I'm, I'm having a lousy day. And he goes, I think I'm going to go out and fire somebody just to cheer myself. 
up. And like, I think the sad reality is he probably did. But, you know, one of the things that people loved about him is that he had an idea of how to make government work and and to make it simple and how to make those processes, you know, move forward. And he had, you know, whether it was Diane Legridi or others, um, he was able to accomplish that. You know, I can think of Amy Mansuba. I can think of so many so many people, but um, and he, he attracted a great cadre around him. So he did. He was he was an incredible manager, and and, and I'm speaking with, with former incredible. governor. <laughs> he really was, and and Diane too, by the way. Diane also was yeah. was a, a strong administrator, and, and she had a lot of empathy for for what people were facing there. Uh, and you know what? You know when you talked, I was listening to your conversation earlier. But there are those people that you know, that aren't elected, but that are in critical managerial decisions that make things happen, that are so that are so essential to um, a governor's success or mayor's success is the ability to, 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 you know, to move the engines of government in a rational way to get things done. And it's 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 not easy, and, and you you know that. Yeah. Right? I mean, and and I'm speaking with Jim McGravey, former former governor of New Jersey. I mean, if, if I could just also well, harken back to our last conversation, yeah. I just wanted to just chat. Like, you know, one of the other real challenges that that we faced, David, is in during the COVID was sadly a twenty percent increase in in opioid overdose deaths. And what we just ask anybody is if anybody knows somebody that's in crisis or needs treatment or needs detox, we'll get somebody into treatment within 24 hours. And and for so many families, working families who may not have any familiarity with addiction, uh, may not even know that their son or daughter is in the midst of, of addiction, I just want to let that people know that as a resource. I mean, the legislature, you know, gave us that challenge, which, you know, which we take seriously. But I mean, I, I, I've seen so many families and, and today with the, the, the threat of fentanyl and how destructive it is, it happens so much more quickly so that I just wanted to let people know they can and our phone numbers there that they can call us. And within 24 hours, we'll place somebody in, in addiction, in detox, in, in intensive outpatient or residential treatment. And, and we see that as a core function in our mission because there's such a correlation in New Jersey between those that are addicted and those that are incarcerated. There's a high conflation. And thank you for saying that because it's, it's such an important issue. So yeah. let me ask you, Governor, you've, you've, you've run statewide. How do you handicap the race between Phil Murphy and Jack Cittarelli? I, you know, I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, New Jersey is always New Jersey in the sense that, you know, you can never, there's, there's never a given. But I think um, Governor Murphy, I think Phil looks in a very strong position. I, you know, it, it's you're largely shaped by your times. And I think, you know, in terms of the, the COVID crisis, uh, in terms of relying upon the science, uh, in terms of moving us forward in a sort of in a steady, rational process, I think the governor's done a, a, a good job. I mean, obviously, there are those in the, in the business community which would have wanted it to happen faster, but I think the governor made his best gut decision premised upon the science, which in large measure has been, has been sound. And, and I think what Jack finds, uh, who, who happens to be a very decent human being, um, 
I, I I think the the Republican Party is 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 disunited is is fractured, and so it's it's hard to to put it together. I mean, when when you you know you have to sort of sweep up your own party, whether it's the Democrats or Republicans. You have to you know make sure they're in the in the column, and then you have to you know go run and get the independent. And I, my sense is. From my friends in the in the Republican Party, is that there's still um, there's still somewhat this discord, and everybody's not on the same page, and that obviously doesn't augur well because then Jack has to worry about his internal dynamic as opposed to going out into the vineyard and and trying to convince uh, independents. And you were, I, I, I think it's it's, it's appreciably uphill. I mean, when I ran against Governor Whitman, for whom I like, I have great respect. I mean, Governor Whitman was, um, you know, she was in many circles lionized. But I mean, the the and but the Democratic Party was hungry. I mean, it hadn't won since um, the Governor Florio's defeat, and so I think there was a there was a hunger there. There was a unity there. There was. A, Oh my gosh, we better get our acts <laughs> together. And so, whether it was you know South Jersey, North Jersey, Central Jersey, we all sort of pulled together, and all the the traditional sort of democratic power bases and constituencies. And I, I don't see that happening on the Republican side of the ledger yet, Dave. But I, I, I just, yeah, Governor, you, I mean, you, you probably better than anybody else in New Jersey know what it's like to be Jack Chitterelli right now. I mean, you, you started that race against Governor Whitman. You were, uh, correct me if my memory's wrong, 16 points down. And you, and you came. I think it was worse than that, David. And you, you I came, remember, oh my God, just, uh, just as an anecdote, I remember, like, this was the day after I announced, and um, Governor Whitman was on the front page of the Star Ledger looking so stunning in this magnificent gown. And my dear friend Chuck Hightian was speaker, was the chairman of the party. And she had just raised like some like phenomenal, uh, you know, some significant amount of money. It was like, it was, I think it might've been over $2 million. And literally the, the night before I was at the Island VFW raising like $14,000. And uh, it was just like, you're talking about Michigash, and I, I just said to myself, I, I remember looking at the Star Ledger, and, and the governor, she looked stunning, and and had all the accoutrements of you know success and glitter and glamour, and I was like, oh, like where am I going with this? But you but came I, within I, a point I, of winning. You came within a point of winning, and I I will not ask you about auto insurance in this interview. How's that? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like you know my dear friend Michael because on New Jersey Network he was like you know he said McGreevy would talk about auto insurance and property taxes and educational reform. If you asked him about World War Two or 1812 or whatever, but it was it was the mantra, and and it you, was. You, you and you got. Like, you know, I remember when I was doing that insufferable, like, beach walk that Bill Bradley had the temerity to, to bequeath to me. But, you know, <laughs> sort of being Irish, I had sunscreen in my eyes. I was squinting. I was just like, what am I doing? But I just began to hear the rumblings of the pocketbook issues and how they were impacting working families, and whether it was property taxes. But auto insurance was something that that 
people like obviously had relatives in in Pennsylvania, New York. It was a huge issue twenty four years ago. It was, it was an enormous a issue. Huge issue, and it was an issue, David. That that you know, it's, it's always is, do people comprehend it? Can people untangle the merits of it and see that you know, well, well, why are we not leading or moving towards a more rational place? And so. Um, it, it became a consequential issue in part because I think people could understand it and it didn't and, and people could untease like, well, there wasn't the level of competition, et cetera. And for all those other reasons, and it just, you know, and for us, you know, there was a little bit of, of, of classism there, candidly. Um, it, it, you know, here I was, the, you know, trying to portray the sort of working class and, and Governor Whitman, obviously. And, and so th- that tension, it, it, it connected to a degree. Sure. And I, I'm, I'm speaking with former Governor McGreevy. Uh, Governor Jack Chitterelli has got to pick a running mate by August 6th. And, and, you know, obviously when I don't know if everybody knows that. but So when you ran 20 years ago, there that office, Lieutenant Governor, didn't exist. So so we, we, only, we only have a short time left. But I you know I love what-if questions, so who would Jim McGreevy have picked for lieutenant governor in 2001 if, if, that, was a, if that was a thing? That, that's a great question. It's a question I've actually never um, – well, I, you know, I would have hoped to, to have done the right thing. I would have hoped to have picked a woman. I would have hoped to pick somebody from, um, you know, a, a community, whether it was – uh, a Latino or an African American. I mean, um, I, I I had good friends of mine, you know. But but it's it's just interesting because I, I I had Stephanie. I had good friends of mine that were in the state legislature with whom that I worked. Um, I don't know whether or not they would have joined with me because it, it's you know the the lieutenant governor's role. I don't know if in New Jersey it's always be- it has become a stepping stone to being governor. I mean, it, it's somewhat unique as opposed to the vice presidency. So it's 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 as, almost as if you have to find someone who understands the importance of this trial for its own sake, and not seeing it as as a step to um, to career advancement. So I mean, who would I have checked? Um, I, I I don't think I can give you an answer. And and, and you know, that's, that's fair. People take months to make this decision. So so that yeah, exactly. that's fair. I'm I'm hoping, Governor, maybe you'll, you'll you'll commit. Think about it when you when you figure out who your choice would have been. Please tell me. Yeah, I, I, I'll do that. Uh, that'd that. be great, Governor McGreevy. Always a pleasure to speak to you, and and oh, thank okay, you for joining thank me. You. And I just want to say thank you to you, and I also want to just say thank you for your sense of history and your sense of perspective i i just new, new jersey's politics is a river and it's important to understand you know where we've come from to get a, a sense of where we're going it's always a delight to to read you and uh, you know I, I i appreciate your mind so thank, thank you thank you governor mcgreevy and, and this is david wilds the editor of the new jersey globe you're we'll be right back with more on new jersey politics and you're listening to the new jersey globe power hour on talk radio 77 wabc <laughs> Old school, classic, punk, indie, 80s, 90s, whatever. If it's got passion and a backbeat, I want to hear it. And I want to know more about the artists who create it. That's why I read Rock and Roll Globe. 
RockandRollGlobe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um, not so good in music. They call it real writing about real music. It's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on RockandRollGlobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's RockandRollGlobe.com. I could hardly Let's talk about America. Not taxes or tweets or the issues that divide us, but how incredible our country is. Left, right, up, down, state lines to winding coastlines. Whether you come home to a crowded city street, tree-lined suburb, or sleepy small town, everyone deserves to live in a clean, green, and thriving community. And we all share in the responsibility to create beauty that ripples from one neighborhood to another and one block to the next. We are Keep America Beautiful, the nonprofit working with millions of people just like you to end littering, improve recycling, and beautify our communities. Because every mindful action and sustainable habit has a positive impact, and it all adds up. Learn how you can join Keep America Beautiful at kab.org. Together, we can do beautiful things. Music Radio 77 WABC presents Saturday Nights with Tony Orlando. Every Saturday at 10 p.m. Hi, everybody. This is Tony Orlando. Three times on the ceiling if you want me. Big guests and great music from the 60s, 70s, and so much more. Saturday Nights were made for Music Radio 77 WABC and Tony Orlando. Every Saturday at 10 p.m. right after Cousin Brucie on Music Radio 77 WABC.